0: My name is Nicola, and you're watching Singularity FM, the place where we interview the future. If you guys enjoy this podcast, you can show appreciation by writing a brief review on iTunes or visiting interviewthefuture.com and becoming a patron. Today, my guest is a college dropout who decided to travel across Asia on a princely yearly budget of $2,500. He later co-founded Wired Magazine and was a long-term senior maverick and editor there. He's co-chair of the Long Now Foundation, a founder of the popular Cool Tools website, and the author of multiple best-selling books about the future of technology. His newest book is Excellent Advice for Living, Wisdom I Wish I'd Known Earlier. So, Kevin Kelly, welcome back to
1: Singularity FM. It's my pleasure, I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much for inviting me and it's a real honor and privilege to be here.
0: Uh, We were due to do another interview because the first one we did, you probably don't remember, was about 13 years ago when I was starting my podcast and then Mm -hmm. we talked about your most recent book at that time which was What Technology Wants. Then about seven years later, which is to say about six years ago, we talked about The Inevitable also about things such as ai the technological singularity and so on and now somehow we come to discuss wisdom which in a way has been the topic of my work throughout all that time because my thesis on my blog and my podcast has always been that technology is not enough it is necessary it is not sufficient so uh And by the way, guys, for everyone in the audience, I highly recommend you check out my previous two interviews with Kevin Kelly because I rewatched them right before this as part of my preparation alongside reading his book and they're full of gems. So I highly recommend checking them out because we are not going to repeat many of the topics or any of them maybe and we will try to cover new grounds today. So Kevin, why wisdom?
1: Wisdom, I think, um, in the end is a perspective that has a long horizon, a long view. And I've become more increasingly convinced of the benefits of taking a longer view. So when I think about people who are wise, they tend to be able to think long term more at a generational scale. And um, I find that very attractive and necessary in the today's world where we're moving so fast. The faster you move, the longer you need to have a perspective. The longer your perspective needs to be, the faster you go. So, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's like if you're in a race car going faster and faster, you kind of need to look further ahead. And so, this um, idea of of that perspective I think is a lot of what wisdom is. Mhm.
0: So let me push you a little bit deeper though. So if you were to define wisdom then would you define it as the long view or the long-term perspective or is there more to it? Something something else that we need to to add in.
1: I think there is a long-term perspective, but there's also a sense of what it is that you're pointing towards. There is the, you know, true, good, and beautiful. There is there is a sense in which there's a value of that long-term perspective. So if you were kind of like an evil villain taking the long-term to, to you know, blow up the earth, okay, I wouldn't say that it was wise. But um, so there's, in addition to that long direction, I think there's also a value, which is elevating – the the true good and beautiful and I think maybe the summary of that is is you know the, the maximum good for the maximum people over the maximum time so um, that 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 sense of trying to maximize the good true and beautiful I think is also part of, of being wise
0: I love that because it's max highly ancient Greek and sort of Aristotelian Platonic in its essence uh, and I am very much of that of that school myself, Uh, but the second thing you said, which I also agree with you, I mean, I agree with everything you said so far about the necessity of wisdom Mm -hmm. and the maximum good for the maximum amount of people, but someone would point out that's also kind of utilitarian in nature, and I don't think you're a utilitarian, so let's let's preclude those, those attacks
1: right here. I'm not sure what you mean that I'm not utilitarian. So, um um explain what you mean by utilitarian. Uh
0: well, so uh you know J- Jeremy Benton's philosophical school of utilitarianism, uh which kind of is summed up by what you just said, the maximum good for the maximum people, but if I remember from the previous interview, uh you're more of a what was it, um, what's the right word I'm looking for here? I don't want to say individualist, but kind of a libertarian leaning in a way. Is that not correct?
1: Mm, no, I don't know. My, um, uh, one of my bits of advice is that um, if your views on one thing can be predicted from your views on another thing, um, you should be careful because you could be in the group of an ideology. so I, I i I'm not necessarily um maybe very easy to summarize in in my views,
0: yeah, that's brilliant. that's perfect. and and I totally agree with that point is that when you're a thinking thing, actually, you tend to be a little bit more paradoxical and less consistent and more human, right. whereas perfect consistency and <laughs> it is basically slavish following of an ideology it's,
1: it's dogma so 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 yeah um rather than yeah again um is the maximum good for the maximum people is that the only thing that's important in life no obviously not um i think that um as humans we have things like joy so we sometimes construct our lives to selfishly enjoy something that may not be at that moment trying to maximize Good for the maximum people. So, um, but I think when someone's, you know, and, and there is wisdom in rewarding ourselves with the joy of being alive and, you know, eating um, chocolate pudding and just, you know, enjoying that moment, we're not trying to do it. So, so, I, so I think to say that wisdom is the only thing that uh, matters in the world, I think is incorrect. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I would just say that it's another quality that we should try to increase. And like lots of things, I think it's a skill. Like optimism, this is also a skill, something, a, a habit that you can get better at. You can get better, you can get wiser. You can become more optimistic. And so, um, so, so I would say this is a, Value that we want to emphasize, but I wouldn't say it's the only thing that counts,
0: yeah, and to be honest uh with you, I associate with that very much because especially with with maybe the phenomenon that wisdom is a little bit fragmented because I tend to collect those fragments or proverbs. Or sayings Or pieces of wisdom If you want to call them I started around high school And I have a a big sort of notebook Where I've collected those over the years And I love books like yours Before you I was reading a book By Nassim Nicholas Taleb Who has a similar book like you Also full of of very original Pieces of wisdom and yours uh, I kind of more connected With yours I mean his were very witty and very poetic And awesome in many ways, very counterintuitive but somehow I connected with yours a lot better so let's start with the first one and and maybe you would understand my previous point or we would place in context my previous point about trying to preclude some attacks Mm -hmm. so let's start with, with the first one here learn how to learn from those you disagree with or even offend you see if you can find the truth in what they believe so tell me a little bit about this one and how you learned this
1: one. Yeah, it's um it took me a while to kind of arrive at this. This was not something that I necessarily understood when I was younger. But being around people who were maybe very accomplished whom I found that I found disagreeable. I found that I disagreed with them and their views or maybe their personality, I didn't jive but, um, because other people respected them, maybe even other people that I respected, I had to look a little deeper to see what it was and and um, having gone through this a number of times, I realized that most people, maybe all people, have something to offer me if I am kind of humble enough to to receive it, and it's that um. The humbling of like of of being patient, of realizing that even though I don't like them, I can still respect them, and listening, understanding that they have something that they either that they know that I don't know or um, a quality uh, that I don't have, and so um, people are very complicated. And they're, I don't believe in bad people. I think people there are people who do bad things. But even those, and this is the great understanding of people who write stories, is the villain. The villain has to have something that we connect with us, something that's human about them, because even doing bad things, there are still good parts about them. And being able to kind of understand and learn from them is a superpower, because you're not then confining you're you you're broadening what it is that you can learn not just from things uh, about people who are similar to yourself and so um it's, that's a big step <laughs> you know that's a that's a that's a big step to to ask is to somebody that you find disagreeable it could be a politician it could be a thinker that um we disagree with on most things but then I've found myself, oh, well, they said something that I really agree and there's some insight that I appreciated that um, even though I kind of find the rest of what they're saying to be maybe even uh, reprehensible, but nonetheless, I can learn something from them.
0: Well, let's try this one out then. I shared on the internet Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I'm going to be doing soon my third interview with you on the topic of wisdom. And I got a variety of comments One of them was something to the sort of Why would I want to learn wisdom from this creationist? Right
1: Well, I'm not a creationist, but
0: So, so, so um, well, say more about that Then dispel that idea Because people have the, the perception Or at least that person had the perception That you're a very religious person And therefore creationist, and therefore there's nothing to be seen there, (laughs) end end of case.
1: Sure. Well, there's so many things going on there. Um, I am a Christian, um, but anybody who's read my books would know that um, I embrace fully um, evolution in its uh, extreme form of, um, like Dan Dennis says, probably one of the most profound ideas we've ever had. Um, and so, um, and, and the thing about evolution, of course, is that it can be imported into mechanical artificial things. And, um, that's the, that's the profound thing. It's not a supernatural phenomenon. No. It's a very, very physical, um, phenomena that's baked into the nature of the universe. Okay. So, so creationist, I am opposite of creationist. Um, I, I'm a Christian, and so I guess this person needs to talk to more people to realize that that um, um, not all Christians are creationists. That would that I mean. So I wonder about this person how much contact they've had with actual Christians in the modern world to understand that those two are not uh, exclusive.
0: So is that uh, a part of the paradox of being human, or, or is there some kind of an inherent maybe perhaps apparent or false falsely perceived between Christianity and evolution
1: no, there doesn't need to be uh, um, the 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 I think the issue comes up that there's a inherent paradox in whatever view we have of the origin of the universe. okay, so um what's your theory on where the universe came from why why did it begin? No matter whether you can say, well, it always was. That's one theory, is that the universe never began, it always was. Well, that's very unsatisfying. Or that it came up by itself, it made itself. That's unsatisfying. You can say, well, God made it, but then where did God come from? Did God make himself? That's unsatisfying. There's no satisfactory answer, <laughs> is all I'm saying. And so I... So, so there's no satisfa- satisfactory answer, and right now science is unable to, to prove or disprove any of these statements. So, my preference is to believe the one that has the best story, mm-hmm. and the best story I find is 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 the Christian story. So, which is that God made evolution. Okay, mm-hmm. so so um, uh, the thing about it is is that it's as I said, there there isn't a Logical scientific view. The Big Bang is not a scientific explanation about the origin of the Big Bang. It's the origin it's the story of the origin of the universe, which I think is correct. But the question about what caused the Big Bang, we don't have a theory. We don't have a scientific theory about that. And so um and so in 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 lieu of that, I'll believe, I'll believe the the more interesting story, which is that God made the universe and unleashed evolution within it Um, but who made God that's a good question the definition I would say is God is a self-created being and again that's unsatisfying
0: that's again very Aristotelian like the, the primary mover or the first mover right. he called him uh, but going back to your first do you call them proverbs or or fragments or pieces of wisdom how do you yeah. call them
1: yeah, bits of wisdom, proverbs, adages, lessons, um, maxims. I love There's fragments, personally. Fragments, okay. Well, fragments, I'm not sure they're fragments because I actually worked hard to have them contain something whole to be complete in some senses. But they are seeds. Actually, one person, I had a great term. They're they're zip files, okay? You can unzip these. They're like little seeds that can be unpacked. So maybe that's what you kind of indicate by fragments. But they're. I think they're more complete like a seed. See, seed's not really a fragment
0: It's It's been maybe 30 years since I started collecting them But the first one I collected was on why they're called fragments And let me see if I can remember it off the top of my head But the reason why, and it's a Bulgarian author who, who called them fragments And the reason he said was that truth is always imperfect or partial mm, So yeah. at best we can get little glimpses That's to say sure. little fragments, little pieces out of it but never the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would definitely say these are uh, these are lowercase truths, not a capital T. Yeah, yeah.
0: Great. So, but going back to your first point, uh, or proverb, or fragment, or, or seed, what is it that we can learn from this person in this context? What do you learn from someone who is maybe even kind of a, offending as you said even people who offend you or criticize you you can learn yeah, yeah. from them
1: so in this well, context it, yeah i mean i don't know i don't know this person they're obviously going to be much deeper more complicated than their one remark which was probably made without thinking so um i am sure i i would bet anything that that person has a lot to teach me They obviously don't have much to teach me about creationism because they or christianity because they don't Seem to know much about that but there's probably other Things that they know far far More than I know I don't know who they are So I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is
0: Yeah, To be honest I I don't know them too It was just someone
1: who made a remark
0: but I found It interesting because it goes to the core Of your first uh, Mm -hmm. Seat here Uh, and also Because I would Invite my audience to Literally to, to open your Book with an open mind And I honestly think it's full of wisdom I think it's your by far the best yeah. book in my view uh, <laughs> The most useful one I yeah. I think also by far sure. the, mess, the most useful Immediately to our personal lives Both mm-hmm. and even professionally but, but in every aspect of our life Take this short book, very quick read You can read it for a few hours in an afternoon mm-hmm. And you can reread it and reread it And every time you would find a new gem or rediscover a new angle on an old gem that you have there. It's 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 too, totally brilliant. I'm I'm a big fan of it, personally. Um, so let me pull back a little bit though from your book and talk about our current context in time. It seems that right now the biggest topic of conversation is not wisdom, but technology in general and AI. In particular,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so is that kind of putting the cart in front of the horse? Mm.
1: It is a little bit because it's about intelligence, and um, we should not confuse intelligence and wisdom. Um, first of all, as hard as wisdom is to define, intelligence is even harder. We really don't know even today what it is, um, and Um, and one of the reasons why I'm very excited about AI is because I think AI and this attempt to make it in all of its various forms will teach us more about our own being, our own intelligence than any, any neuroscience and psychology has for the past 200 years. We're going to learn more by trying to make these artificially. I have a, a proto theory right now that, um, uh, dreaming, um, the, the kind of dream hallucinating state may actually be the default state of the brain. It's not that the it may be that that we tame our our, our hallucinatory aspects that we see in AI, that we tame that in order to be awake, but that the fundamental the fundamental behavior of our of our own minds may be that hallucinate, hallucinating state that we see in AI. But anyway, this is not important. It's only that to say that I suspect that we'll have many, many insights about how our own brains work from trying to make artificial versions of them. Um, and uh, confusing that with wisdom, I think, is a mistake because um, uh, one of the f- things that's happening with, with AI is because it's about intelligence, there's an, I think intelligence is overrated in general. This is one of the reasons why I don't believe in the singularity nonsense about the AI is taking over is because it's to, to do things in the world, you need more than intelligence. If you take an Einstein and a tiger and put them in a cage, who <laughs> lives? It's not the smartest person. It's not the smartest person. Uh, The smartest people who are going to succeed in doing things, you need to have perseverance. You need to have other qualities. You need to have empathy.
0: If you You put Einstein in a rat on a desert island, guess who is going to survive?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so there's there's an intent there's a there's a misguided idea that intelligence trumps everything. Well, it it does if it's a black box, but if it's trying to actually uh, affect uh, the world to make to make things happen, you need so much more. Than just intelligence, it's not the smartest people who necessarily succeed in getting things done. Um, it's it's there are so many other qualities that we need to affect change. And so, um, in that one way, I think we're kind of overestimating, overhyping what we have right now. I think we're underhyping in the long term, because I think um, the the Thing that we're doing with with this is inventing many different varieties of minds, and they're going to fill our world with um, you know new new powers and new things that um, are really really going to affect everything that we do. So so literally everything we can do will have some bearing on that, and that's why it's important. But it's gonna take a long time for us to figure out what it is. I think um I think the changes recently, the really the fast changes recently, I think are still not preparing us for how long for how long and how many steps we actually are going to have to to go through to keep progressing. Um I think I think there's going to be punctuated equilibrium they call it in evolution, where you have these periods a very rapid change and then they kind of plateau out and then there's another period later on we're now we're in this period of the, of the quantum jump in the, in the punctuated equilibrium of of evolution and we can expect a little bit of it you know pausing a little bit later on naturally not from any kind of signature letter but just pausing because um right now most of the advances we have are by applying increasing the computation, increasing the compute. And at some point, that's just not going to keep making the same progress. You have to have a different paradigm, which is much more difficult and much slower.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There's so many interesting things that you said here that you want to grab, but I want to just continue a little bit the thought at the beginning that you had there about um, AI and helping us define humanity. In fact, in your previous interview with me, or even in that book mm-hmm. that we discussed during the previous interview, you said that the greatest benefit of the arrival of AI is that AI will help us define humanity, mm-hmm. because in a way we need AI to tell us who we are. Right. So I wonder, do we need artificial intelligence now in the context of our present conversation? Do we need AI to recognize the value of wisdom?
1: Yeah, I I, I think... Um... Uh, I, I do, in, in a certain sense. I, I think we would like, in a, in a very practical way, to instill into these, into some of these machines uh, a, 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 a sense of wisdom, just like we wanted to give them ethics and morality, which we, again, need to do for those. Not, not all of the AIs, there are going to be many kinds, will necessarily need that because, first of all, Consciousness itself is a liability in, in most of these AIs. We don't really want to give them. There's no use for it. They can do. They will do better without it. But there will be some AIs that we want to be self-reflective and conscious. And for those, I think we do want to have a sense of wisdom, of a longer view, of of priorities, of aiming at the true, good, and beautiful. And so, and so, yes, and so the, the, we will need to work on a way to. Mm, encapsulate and code wisdom into these um, these entities. And um, I have actually, I think I might have mentioned before, been working on a side project called A Catechism for Robots, which is basically that. It's trying to say what would we teach uh, them? How would we code that? And what would um we, we 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 tell them to 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 gu- to guide them in the long term to to elevate the horizon and point them in a direction, and so um and so maybe I hadn't thought about it, but maybe this book is sort of like a preliminary warm up for trying to do that because we do need to code them, and that's what they respond to. Um, and I've said this before about the the ethics, is that it's easy to, to give the robots ethics. It's very hard for us to decide what we want them to do, how we can be better than humans. We don't even know what that looks like. And so maybe this book is a first step in trying to enunciate and to articulate what a better human might look like.
0: Yeah, and actually in our previous conversation, we talked a lot about the things you would want to say to and teach your your three children. Right. Um, And in a way, this book goes right to that point. And of course, as Hans Moravec said, the AIs or the robots would be our mind children. Mind children, yeah. And and I think that in a way, it's not going to be that different because with Presuming they're conscious and intelligent,
1: yeah, just as our children are. S- some, some will be. Again, I want. Yeah, you to some. Some.
0: Though, those that are uh, of yeah. them, those that are. Then we basically have to do the same things that we do towards our kids, kids more or less. When we try to teach them the right way yep. in life and to upbring them to be good, decent human beings, right, right. I think it's the same principle with them. Not, not much difference. Uh, yeah. In its uh, essence.
1: Right. I think there will be some differences. The way that we try to train train our kids was not by telling them, but by modeling the behavior. And so we might not have that privilege of modeling the behavior for the AI. We may have to actually code it in, which is a much more difficult problem.
0: Well, data um, databases are basically mod, uh, a bank of model behavior in a way, right?
1: Right. Well, that's the problem with the AIs right now is that they are trained on the average human. Yeah. They're trained on the best and the worst of humans, so it's kind of comes out average. And the average human is not particularly what we want to be. Yeah. That's why they are kind of a little racist and sexist is because that's the average human. And we're saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to accept that. You've got to be better, better than the average. And so the AI is kind of saying, well, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, here, so now we have to kind of say, well, here's what it looks like. This is this is what the better version of ourselves looks like. But we don't have a consensus on what that is. Is it like woke? Is it post woke? Is it super woke? What, it? <laughs> what, what does this look like? And so, um, and so, and so, that is the the challenge is is us actually imagining what a better version of ourselves would look like.
0: Well, here's a a little suggestion perhaps towards the direction that we might want to explore and it's a little bit of a redefin- redefinition of your uh, concept or perception or definition of wisdom i would suggest that and and we're coming to one one other of your seats that's one of my favorites on page 166 which i would quote in a second but it has to do with power and you mentioned already, you touched upon the new powers that those AIs were given. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would say wisdom has a lot to do with the power of being able to do something, but having the discipline yeah. to stop and consider whether mm-hmm. being having the power to do it is necessarily a blank check to actually do it, or whether maybe you should exercise that discipline and not do it or do it in a different way which may not be the first way that comes to mind so in in other words maybe wisdom is about the exercise of power in a way that's non-detrimental as you said in the beginning the Mm -hmm. maximum benefit to the maximum people and the minimum cost to the maximum people perhaps Mm Something, yeah, something. I, I'm just improvising, but I, it's, uh, I, I,
1: I, yeah, there may be something there. P- power. Um, um I, I find power is kind of a, for myself a hard concept to conjure with because it seems to have, or maybe works in different dimensions. There's political power. There's social power. There's economic power. They may not all be. Operating at the same time and the same people, um, there's, you know, we talked about power relationships, and I'm not even sure exactly what the metrics for those are.
0: Power is the ability to affect change for me.
1: Yeah. So. So so a, a good question because I said I don't think a good question would be do people would people generally agree that that a random average person today. Born and alive, and as an adult, would have more power than somebody a thousand years ago? Is that. Then is that
0: the what average from a thousand years ago, I would venture to to say yes.
1: That they have more power in terms of uh, affecting the world? The, you mean because they have a larger reach or the. A person a thousand years ago could affect the world around him
0: first our um, levers a thousand years ago were much weaker, so the multiplication effect of any one single individual uh-huh. to affect the world around us a thousand years ago was hundreds, thousands million fold less than it is today I think uh that's kind of sure. like
1: sure, I'm not sure about that you're not right okay to imagine um. You know, you' talking about like affecting I mean I think what might happen is that we have an expanded circle of of how far away or how we can affect more people and more of the world at a distance and more people, but I'm not sure that the total amount like let me know, give you an
0: example scientific yeah. example, so we have the the nuclear clock, right? it's created by. Are supposedly the top yeah, uh-huh. However many scientists yeah, they yeah. are And each year they Either move the dial closer to midnight yeah, I understand, Or away I understand it, yeah. And now we are the closest to midnight We've ever been in the history of our civilization right. So on the one hand We have the highest Technological peak of our civilization That we've ever had right. in the past uh, In the history of our civilization Yeah. And on the other hand According to those scientists We've never been closer to Total annihilation, which let's is why collective. they've moved that's the dial. Individual.
1: That's not an individual. We're talking about individuals. So I did a study of trying to see whether an individual's power to kill people, to be violent, has increased over time. And it hasn't. Right? So like one person. Really, that's
0: very counterproductive. One, please explain that. I mean, okay. counterintuitive.
1: So let's say you are an evil So so I was saying, what's the data? Not what could we imagine, but what actually is the data of a single person by themselves, working with no partners, what's the most that that person has ever killed? Hmm. Okay? So, um, you know, hundreds of years ago, they could set a building on fire and kill a couple hundred people. That's the maximum so far that I've been able to find out, that any single individual working by themselves Has done. You would say, well, if the power has increased, then they could kill thousands or or tens of thousands of people by themselves. I haven't found any evidence of that so far. Okay, there's there's a there's a Manhattan Project, which killed millions of people, but there were hundreds of thousands of people involved in that. So the average, you know, it's kind of a gruesome calculation, but the average per person is still not very much. Well, and you have you have you have kind of cults and things, and they do it but the if you if you can divide up by the people involved and the number killed it's not it hasn't increased any
0: my my thing with this is is why it sounds counterintuitive to me is because technology acts as a lever as a multi multiplier right and so my thinking is like well if you had a person with a knife a thousand years ago he can slaughter so many people if you have right. a person with an M16 today or an you know ak-47 or you know a howitzer or a tank or or a plane you know the the higher you go up the weapon scale which is the the technological sophistication right. the more damage you can do and you can engineer now now a single person can engineer you know a virus
1: and right, but it has to happen this is the same if we take the scientific evidence of what we have so far there's no evidence of that happening and that's in part because a lot of these technologies, although powerful, are actually more social than before, okay? So, so just, to make the, just to make the technology work, you cannot do it alone. We're no longer so individualistic. We're much more socialistic in that sense or mutualistic, needing it. And so, um, yes, you have sophisticated technologies, but they can't be – it's really hard to, to, to amplify them by yourself. Collectively, there's no argument that we have more power collectively. And that's where I think the power is. It's not individually. It's the fact that we are more collaborative, more collective. And as a society, How about technology this? Has, has leveraged us, but not individually.
0: Here's Here's an example. Storytellers. And right. the storytellers can be the most evil people. So take <laughs> Hitler. He came right. out from nothing. Right, right. Forget technology, I was going maybe in the wrong path Hitler came in and told a story Right And that story permeated through a whole society Sure And then that whole society took on the war path and extermination and genocide and crimes against humanity So you had one person who told a specific story and the result of that was another disaster Millions right. of with, people dead. With the,
1: with the cooperation of millions of people who cooperated with that. Sure. So Hitler himself could not by himself done that damage. It's only by, and again, this is to my point, that the leverage of technology increasingly go to the collective rather than to the individual.
0: But the collective can be manipulated is what I'm yes. saying.
1: It can be. It can be manipulated, but it, it's powerless uh, it can be guided it's what so what leadership is about mm-hmm. we we respond we need the leadership f- for the guidance we need we need uh, but um, I think the power the technology increasingly the technology becomes the technium it's no longer a standalone and so it becomes much more embedded in 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 the in the collective and it's no it it, it it can it can it can um amplify and give um new things for the human individual to do. We can do many things um like you know we don't have to have an answering machine we don't have to fill up our own gas. There's many things we do, but there are many things that we don't do anymore, but I think the real the real leverage is at the collective rather than at the individual
0: okay so let's shift the level of analysis sure. to the collective then. The previous thing that we've mentioned, what would you say is the lesson from that kind of observation that on the one hand, we are at the peak of our civilization, technologically speaking, in terms of our technological power, which is to say our collective ability to affect uh-huh. change sure. at the global yeah. level is unparalleled right, right. now, right, exactly. and at the, at the same time, we are the closest we've ever been to our own annihilation, according to those scientists. I don't believe that. Okay, please say more.
1: I, I don't think there's any way that nuclear power can eliminate humans. That's that's just that's just not really no. There's no way. There's it, it, I mean, um, if you think through the actual steps of what would happen and how how this is going to eliminate all the humans on the planet, I. I I haven't, this I haven't seen the story. I haven't seen the 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 progress of what how that happened. So you have, um, um, you know, let uh, me uh,
0: let me suggest a story, perhaps. I'm a okay. former recovering political scientist. My
1: sure, master's
0: sure. degree was armed conflict. Sure. Uh, my thesis was on AI in times of war. But before that, I studied a little bit of nuclear, yeah, stuff. And one thing is that you know, in the 70s and 80s, we had these estimates based on a variety of uh, sort of calculations based on those nuclear tests that we did. And based on them, we thought that what you just said made sense, that it's unlikely there will be a total annihilation. Then, now we're digitizing many of those old films and tests. Hmm. Turns out the nuclear yield on average was wrong. Anywhere from 30 to 60% wrong. And turns out that the total math of aggregating the number of nuclear weapons we have now in the world, plus the fact that the yield and the damage we know uh-huh. is higher, both in the on the in the short term and in the long term, may be sufficient to create a, another extinction event similar to the one 65 million years yeah. ago to the dinosaurs, because the sun would be blocked for a very prolonged, we'll have nuclear winter all around the planet for maybe a couple of years, which means no crops, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, air pollution, radiation, all of the above, right? So maybe some microorganisms or cockroaches or lower degree, more adaptable organisms would survive, but us humans right. who require very specific narrow band to exist uh, are unlikely to. Is that not a good story for you, not convincing?
1: Not, no, not convincing enough. One, okay. one is. Um, I mean, I, I would, I, I would say that I um, have not looked at those calculations that you have, um, but I think the um, um, the what, what's the word I want? The, the, there's also what I find hard to believe is this idea that there would be that many nuclear bombs set off all at the same time, um, and uh, there's the issue of whether even some of those bombs even go off at this point, um, which we haven't also tested recently. So I remain, um, I Optimist. would say, <laughs> well, yes. So I would, I, I want to, 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 um, um, what's the word? Admit my, my ignorance here. So you could be right, having, have closer uh, contact with those calculations than I have, and, and maybe more current um I, all i would say is i'm ignorantly skeptical of of those um calculations um and all, particularly um the idea that i'm not arguing that there could be massive millions of people dying massive disruption what i was arguing against was the elimination of humans on the planet okay and so that is something that um um i would like to, i i i would like to see more evidence for and um, because um, would you
0: grant the possibility that at least our civilization would be wiped out? So let's say, let's say maybe some humans would survive, but at least the civilization which requires a certain kind of level of sophistication of the groupings of humans, etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, would not exist anymore.
1: No, I, 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 I'm very skeptical of this idea of, of eliminating humans by our own means. Whether it's AI or huh. um, or or um, uh, nuclear power or even um, climate change, I'm the, the one. The one. The one case I think is absolutely um, horrendous and would would be an asteroid impact. Okay, and we know that because there's evidence for that having happened in the past. So that is incontroversial That that. Um, an asteroid impact could wipe out human life. Right, so the, the,
0: the science that I looked and it's been, I did my master's degree right. 16 years ago Right. The, the, the science that I was looking at in the sort of early to mid 2000s was, was actually using exactly that example and was calculating that the yields would be very similar and maybe even greater to the average asteroid, especially that one that hit 65 million years ago and caused the 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 extinction of the dinosaurs and part of the math relied on, on the fact that we have greatly miscalculated the the average yields on Mm. most of the Mm -hmm. tests for the previous
1: Mm -hmm. 50 years. Okay. Um, well, um, let's pause this because I think I'm at the limits of my own um, knowledge and you may absolutely be right. And maybe, um, you can change my mind, but, um, um, Okay, fair. I would, I will remain right now uh, 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 skeptical of that claim, which you know it, it doesn't <laughs> uh, doesn't mean that um, we shouldn't disarm, you know, nuclear weapons. That's totally crazy. Mm-hmm. We have far too many for whatever it is that we think we need them for. So um, um, there are many other reasons to to try and you know disarm nuclear um, armaments and weapons all across the globe um besides the fact that we might uh eliminate human uh, it still would be hugely destructive
0: okay so let's shift our conversation then uh from your point of view let's say people like Elon Musk have been telling us that the biggest issue we are facing right. today is ai bigger than nukes other people right. like greenpeace etc have been telling us that it's climate change now you just right, right. said that neither of those three you're Right. terribly concerned about, though that's not saying that you don't think there are problems. Right, 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 Clearly, you do think that you know they're right. crazy that we have so many nuclear weapons and stuff like that, but what are the big things that we should be concerned about, in your right, view, right. if it's not those?
1: Right, right. And, and, and just to clarify, I think there's a greater than zero chance for all three of those, but like an asteroid impact, it's very, very low probability. Um, so, there is above zero um the one the one thing that i am concerned about there, there's a couple things in the short term i'm concerned about weaponizing ai about cyber conflict i think that is um because uh, basically we don't have agreements about what we are allowing ai to do is it okay to take down the power grid of another country is it okay we we you know we have agreements with nuclear we have agreements with Biologicals. We don't have agreements really with um, hacking and cyber conflict and cyber war, and I'm afraid that something really bad could happen um, before we come to some kind of agreement. And then with AI involved, it just really amplifies it. So weaponizing cyber conflict AI with AI, that's that's where that's where it could really go off the rails, rather than you know it it it, it um it, it taking over and making paper clips it's much more of having um ai and i'm not talking about ai soldiers cuz robo soldiers i think actually might be better than human soldiers but having having ai involved in cyber hacking and um you know kind of infiltrating um power grids and all that kind of I- the infrastructure i think is very very um scary and that's something that i do think that we can work towards in making agreements on a planetary scale about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable
0: so do you think that could wipe us out or it's also not no, a-
1: they can't wipe us out but it can certainly wreak havoc and make and make it you know m- make a mess set us back for years, decades, but it's not necessarily going to eliminate humans again it's the this, this scenario of how AI would eliminate humans it's just it's just a cartoon it's it's romantic it, it, that's the thing The idea that that these things could eliminate us is a romantic fantasy <laughs> that is um, bred by hollywood it's like this it's like the lone villain at the top of the mountain there's all this technology that works. And there's nobody there. There's no tech support. It works the first time. It's just total fantasy. And so the idea that you have this thing powerful enough that can eliminate all humans, that's a fantasy. It's very, very difficult to kill a lot of people at once over – I mean, it's like, what? I I don't even know how you you would imagine it happening. And so um, all the intermediate steps you'd have to do to get there – would all be warning flags. We would all be up in arms. The first thousand people to die this way would immediately change our behavior in a very drastic way. So I would say the will to survive usually outwits the will to kill. Surviving Mm -hmm. is such a powerful force that it usually overwhelms the desire to, to kill. And, you know, most predators fail, right? Most attempts the predation don't work because the will to survive usually outlasts or overtrumps um, the the predation. And so you're trying to be predator for 8 billion people? Man, that is so hard.
0: Well, Yuval Harari calls us a mass murdering species because every time we show up something somewhere, st- species go extinct, according to him. In that he gives example in in North America, in Australia, sure, with species that we know or we can find the remains of now, and in a very short period of time, let's say a couple a th- couple thousand years after humans showed up in the right. neighborhood, those were gone. So the the presumption is, look, we did it, and we were like the smartest species in the neighborhood. Now the AIs will be, therefore, etc.
1: Yeah, well. I mean, I think yeah, we don't want to the AIs to do that. So, you know, we have a lot of attention right now to instilling them to ethics, making them better than us so that they don't kill all the species. Um and yeah, we ate we ate our way through a lot of um the megafauna um because it was very handy meat packaging. <laughs> and um uh this is not a new thing. We've been doing it. However, um, again, if you look at the data, which I did on species loss, because I was involved with the All Species Initiative, which was to catalog, that was my initiative, was to catalog all the species on the planet. With in,
0: Craig Venter, if I remember, wasn't it?
1: Uh, no, with E.O. Wilson. Oh, yeah. Craig Craig was doing the genetic, genomic um, part of it. We were looking at the actual taxonomic species. Mm-hmm. And um, again, there is an over estimation of how many species have actually been lost so there's about a species a year for the past 1000 years which is more than it should be but it's not the sixth uh, extinction and um you know the there there's a lot of assumptions in terms of those ex- extinction rates um, but the actual data, again, I'm just saying, if we took a, let's look at how many species have been, that we know about, that we've documented, that we know the name of it, and now it's gone. There's been about 1,000, over 1,000 years, okay? So, there's all kinds of estimates of other species that we don't know about that have lost, all right? So, that's a, that's a hypothetical. We don't have evidence of that. But we have an estimate. Well, given the species loss of one per thousand, then we can suggest it because we only know whatever it is, 30% of the species or 5%, that therefore there must be another 95% that are gone. But we don't actually have the evidence. That's an assumption. Right. But the evidence so far is one species a year.
0: Okay, let's let's try to re- refocus our conversation uh with this and and we might actually look back into it because it touches on power in in a in a kind of
1: yeah,
0: a variety of ways. But one of my other favorites is on page 166 and it goes like this. The real test of your character is not how you deal with adversity, although that will teach you much. The real test is how you deal with power. The only cure for power is humility and the admission that your power comes from luck. The small person believes they are superior. The superior person knows they're lucky. Right. So tell me a little more about this.
1: Yeah. So this came from hanging around people who have been very <laughs> lucky, the very rich, the very wealthy, the very famous, the very accomplished and it was interesting to me to see the ones of among them who admitted the role of luck in their lives and i began to assess them and i i would admire those i, I mean they were usually the people i admired more and that was part of the reason was that they were aware enough to 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 to, to understand that um a lot of their success came from the fact that they were born at the right time in the right place, the right body, and um, the right family, whatever it is. And that's um, so many of the things that came were not just from hard work and were not just from their own particular talents, but were luck. And, um, you know, from Bill Gates growing up, you know, being a, uh, with experience of having hanging around computers as a kid, one of the very first in in the country or the world, for that matter, that's very lucky. Um, and so, um, you know, and then we have luck in countrysides. You know, countries have luck being blessed with, you know, either fertile soil or a desert. Um, and um, a lot of so so so. There's a lot of chance in power. There's a lot of um, stochastic noise in who wins and who loses that power. And I think um, those who acknowledge that, I think, can deal with the that power a little bit more civilly.
0: I totally agree with you, and, and, and that's why this is one of my favorite ones. But I'll tell you my concern, though. I grew up in communist Bulgaria mm-hmm. And we had something that all the Eastern bloc had at the time Which was called the cult of personality So our great leader was called Georgi Dimitrov He was the foremost communist The guy who was fa- falsely blamed to have burned burned the German Reichstag um, And who learned German just to defend himself in the trial uh, And uh, you know, we had Stalin, we had Mao, all over the Eastern Bloc, we had those cults of personalities of our great leaders. So now, here in the free world, I live in Canada, you live in the United States, we have, especially in when it comes to entrepreneurs and around Silicon Valley, what it seems to me is another cult of the personality. So you have these legends of, of the uh, mm. the lone entrepreneur right. who literally came from nowhere and from nothing and who built this right, right. empire and therefore they earned it and they deserve it. And we have you yeah. know, Steve Jobs, we have Elon Musk, we have Jeff Bezos, we, we have Bill Gates. We have so many examples that are pointed out as the flag Boys, Mark yeah, Zuckerberg, yeah. you name it. The list is very long. So what do you think, do you uh, think that there is really a parallel that I'm drawing here? Mm. And what, if anything, is there to be learned? What's the lesson, if there is any?
1: Yeah, I think the parallel doesn't go very far because they don't really have much power over the way that the leaders in the Eastern Bloc had of, of affecting people. People can, I find it very easy to ignore you Know Elon, I don't have to. I don't know, like, you know, he may have crazy ideas now. The new Elon, there was the old Elon, and then there's a the new Elon, something happened in between. The old Elon actually was kind of interesting. The new Elon is like, so, um, anyway, he's, he's off his rails most of the time, and um, I don't need to pay attention to him. I on Twitter, I have names muted. There's another former president whose name is muted i never see anything (laughs) about him i never it's like i don't even that name is not allowed to appear in my (laughs) feed and i tell you we're not allowed to utter the name in our household and because of that he has no power over me except when he's president so um
0: he might come uh, back
1: yeah yeah i know i know no that's 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 a nightmare (laughs) so um you know i mean Obviously, elected politicians have much more power than than um, entrepreneurs. People say, "Well, Mark Zuckerberg has power because of Facebook." I don't believe that. I, I think th- one of the things about Facebook is that they they wish to believe that they are influential, but like even the elections, and even if you have camera uh, analytics, it's like the power of Facebook to affect election was nothing compared to Fox News. And the cable news, they actually had all the power, much more power than Facebook. Whatever, whatever happened, Facebook was sort of, they wanted to believe, and that was the story that they were telling, was no, we're influential. We can, we can influence, uh, we, we didn't influence the, the, um, the elections, but we could have. And so, no, they, they, they had very little power relative to cable TV and even talk radio. Which we don't seem to want to censor. So, um, so I always say when we're talking about power with technologies, we always have to say compared to what. When, whenever we are reviewing or, or evaluating technologies, it's always compared to what, compared to the alternative. Yeah. So, like mercury, aluminum in your fillings, there may be some possible toxicity, but compared to what? Compared to cavities? <laughs> yeah, you don't. So, so it's always compared to what, um, you know? Electric cars will have some, will have some downsides. They have some problems. Compared to what? Compared to gasoline engines and lead, you know? Right. Always compared to what? And the same thing with AI and other things is, yeah, or bullying on social media. Compared to what? Compared to what happens in the hallway of the classrooms? Does it even compare? So, the thing about. Um, power and, and, and technologies and the influence of these of these leaders is compared to what and so i think compared to the politicians elected politicians no they don't really have that much power i think they could have indirect influence and people can aspire to it but um they're much easier to ignore much easier to ignore mm mm-hmm.
0: uh- let me throw in another favorite one and, and see if, if we can grab that one in, in another more productive way or if we connect it to the previous one. Again, on page 189, we say, you say, we are unconsciously distracted seeing our reflection. You can alleviate mm. a lot of the fatigue yeah. while teleconferencing all day if right. you turn off your self-view.
1: Do that with Zoom. That's the first thing I do. As I turn off, I I'll leave it on for a second to make sure my camera's aligned, then I turn it off. And um, it's a, you know, a lot of my book was was um, channeling the ancients, the Stoics, and the Bible. This is not. <laughs> and this will probably go like nobody will understand this in 10 years because we'll have something else going on. Um, but um, I have found as a practical advice for today, Turn off your self-view. I don't know how that works or why, but not seeing yourself in the mirror the entire time just reduces the fatigue.
0: So I totally get that, and I agree with you that it reduces Zoom fatigue, but I wonder if there's a bigger lesson here. And hear me out. I think maybe until the Venetians invented the proper mirror as we know it today, which was maybe around 800 years ago, around the 12th Mm -hmm. century, Humanity was n- rarely ever so obsessed, yeah, collectively and individually about our own self-image, and we even had warnings about that by the ancient Greeks and the myth of the myth of the myth mm-hmm. of uh, Narcissus. So I wonder in a in an age where everyone is pointing the phone backwards, it seems now, yeah. when the selfies have become a global phenomenon. Yeah, where everyone is looking at themselves. You know, I want to be here. Does that say something about should we actually? Because that's how I read this. I read this in the global scale.
1: Metaphorically, yes. Um. Yeah, I'm not a big selfie fan. I don't take selfies ever. (laughs) I've never taken. I don't know if I've ever taken a selfie. Um. My wife likes to take some with us, and that's fine. But I'm not interested in it. Um. And, um, but I also think, I, I suspect, I don't know, this is not a prediction I'm willing to bet on, but I suspect that this will be, that this is a fad, that in, in um, not that it will ever go away, but it might go away to the degree uh, that we're now seeing it, that, that you know, in 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it'll be very, oh, that was very 2020. That was, you know, this, this idea of, um, it's kind of like, you know, In the early photography, people never smiled. You can kind of look at date, you can actually date photographs by the fact that people aren't smiling because that was something we learned to do. Um, We still smile, but I think there are some cultural things that could change over time Um, and people just see that it was sort of like um, something you did and, and everybody did it, but necessarily might date people doing it in the future. I don't know. It's not a prediction, but I, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: But does it say something about our lack of wisdom, culturally and collectively, or maybe moving away from it? That obsession with the self, with the looks, with the the, the outside things, at no. any cost, almost. It no, blows my know. mind.
1: I don't... I, I think it's an art form. I, I, I think the, the kids are doing it, you know, the TikTokers, I think it's a new art form. I think it's legitimate. I think it's like, you know getting dressed up performing it's a performance it, it's it's I I don't think that it's necessarily like um, something that's a cancer that's rotting at the core of culture I think it's a art form which is why I'm saying it may, may pass I think it's a very fashionable art form and people are doing it to kind of like see what just exploring what you could do with yourself as a portrait so self-portraits have been around for a very Long time, even I'm guessing before mirrors, but I don't know. That's a good question. Were there self portraits before mirrors? You're Mayer's? a
0: lot more generous and and magnanimous than I am. <laughs> uh, my, yeah. my my concern is like cases when I watch like there was this you know terrible train accident in Italy, and someone gets gets run over by by a train, and then the next person pulls out the phone and starts taking a selfie of the person being killed by the train and then being at the place of accident and post that and that's main examples and to me that's that's a symptom unfortunately to me and I hope I'm totally wrong
1: yeah I think you're wrong um I <laughs> I think it's I think it's a f- art form a fashion art form that will um not necessarily survive the long term people get bored with it they've all done it um not that it ever go away but it may not just be as thrilling as it is right now where people are kind of saying, um, um, I am the canvas, what can I do? Um, See how far they go with this selfie everywhere. Um, Again, I think in 20 years, people look back and say, hmm, 2020, that was very dated.
0: Well, I hope hope you're correct, and I am willing to bet that you're a lot wiser than I am. So... (laughs) (laughs) So so I would bet on I would bet on that fact. Um going back to to the the AI and the technological singularity though, uh has any of your thinking or ideas you you, you said that just like last time you're skeptical on it and all of that. Has any of your thinking evolved or changed in any way since the last time we spoke about it six years ago?
1: Well I don't remember what I said six years ago, but um uh, so skeptical. I, I was saying that I think there's an overhyping right now, in the short term, but over long term, it's underhyped. So I am not skeptical of AI in general. I think it's it's incredibly. Um, I think it's the biggest thing we've ever done as a, as a species. I mean, it's the. I think it's at the, the level of fire or language. Over the long term, over the next hundred years, you know, and, and beyond. So. Um, uh, Right now, there's a little, you know, um, what's the word I want? These things are not, we'll look back in 30 years and say, well, you didn't have AI today. That's all I'm saying. We'll look back at what we have today and say, well, that really wasn't AI. Um, but what we have right now, I think, is is what I'm calling the universal personal interns. So, the, the stance that I believe that we're going to settle into for, let's say, the next couple of decades is AI as co-pilot, intern, assistant, team member, partner, all those varieties of working with them, not taking over, I think there's going to be, the uh, impact on employment is going to be very mild, not very much impact on actual total employment. I think there'll be going to be a net gain overall. Um, And I think that um, what we're going to find out is is this combination of human Plus AIs together being superior to human alone or AI alone, and that 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 working with them is going to become the norm. Um, and they're all different levels. There's hundreds of different varieties. Like right now, just last night, I was using the AI now built into Photoshop, so the image right. generator. Photoshop Beta. Thing. Yeah, the Photoshop Beta, right? So the yeah. uh, generative fill. Okay, so that's. That's the way I'm going to be working with. It's a tool. It's something I'm going to be, everybody's going to be doing. There's this idea of like, we're going to not allow AI generated images. Are you not going to allow Photoshopped images? Come on. It's like, there's no distinction. It's just another tool that you're going to use. And most of the AI is not even going to be publicly facing. It's going to be, 95% of the AI is going to be behind the scenes in the walls, in the back offices, in the plumbing, so to speak we're not even gonna be aware of most of it. There'll be some that are front facing, some that are we will have an interface for. The great big bang that's happened in the last year is we now have a conversational user interface to these things. Hmm. So the powers haven't really changed it much in the last couple of years, but now we have an easy way to interface them. It's like the graphical user interface that came onto the internet, which was the web. The internet was around for decades there is ignored. Nobody paid attention to it. Nobody believed in it. Then when the web came along, you had a graphical user interface, you had pictures, you could move things around. And now it was the big bang. Well, the conversational user interface, the large language models, that is the big bang for AI. Now we have a very human way of interfacing conversations are so human. And so, We want that conversational interface and now we're going to apply it to everywhere. Everywhere will have a conversational interface and the the AI part of it is not as important as the conversational interface part of it. So that's what we're going to see in the next couple of decades.
0: Let me grab a couple of points and see if I can wrap them up all together because we have maybe about 13, 12, 13 minutes, hopefully to wrap our conversation. So. I want to see if I can bring together wisdom, power, AI, advanced tech here. So, here's a a kind of an argument or a line of reasoning. Most of our biggest problems right now, whether they're existential or not, are self-created. Yes. So, talk about climate change, soil erosion, nuclear uh, weapons, many, many examples.
1: Sure. I agree.
0: Great. So the, following that sort of starting premise, then the idea is that if our biggest challenges or problems are self-created right now, they are probably the result of our ever-increasing technological power yes. far outpacing our wisdom to apply and utilize that power in a non-destructive, non-suicidal net positive kind of a manner and therefore, continuing that line of reasoning, if that's true, therefore, more power, technologically speaking, without the accompanying of an equal growth of wisdom would only grow the gap, not shrink it and therefore further deepen and enlarge our current problems. Hmm. Because the gap between our wisdom and our power is simply growing and growing. And instead of working, people Hmm. say, oh, we need more power, more powerful technology, more of this tech. Instead of working on the technology and so much and growing the gap and therefore making things worse, we should work on the wisdom gap and close it as much as possible. Because when you gave the example of humans plus AIs, Hmm. if... The AIs follow whatever the humans, the directives coming from us. And if we lack that wisdom to be non-suicidal and non-destructive overall, net positive, then with more AI and more power and more tech, we're only going to do more damage than good.
1: I would agree. So, so I I think you, I think this is a good way of putting it: is that um, as our societal power increases because of technology. we're gonna, you know, in my terms, we're gonna make a whole new problems that have never existed and most of these problems are gonna be bigger than the problems that we've had in the past because they're more powerful. The more powerful the technology, the more powerful the problems, okay? So we're headed into more powerful problems and so we need the skills at overcoming those problems and I think among many other skills, including, um, you know, ingenuity and, and science, we also need wisdom again, I think it's not the only thing we need. I think it's part of the the mix. So yeah, we should be increasing our wisdom to deal with the increasing powerful problems that we are creating. Um, but um, and so yeah, maybe my book is is, is a step in that direction. Um, I think there's other things that we might want to do, like we're talking about AI, It's actually trying to codify wisdom. To be able to to program it into um, society, but also I think what we need is the imagination to imagine what the better us would look like, how where it is that we actually want to go. Because so if we aren't wise enough, what does that new wisdom look like, and um, and can we can come to some consensus about it in order, in order to choose or implement it? The the one thing I would say about technology is that any solution that says that the the answer is less technology i reject okay and this is where i i, I like the new the, today's the new signature of the ai signature that everybody signed which was saying yes um we should treat this seriously like climate change and um uh the pandemics well I think maybe a climate change I'm not sure about the pandemic the pandemic seems to me inevitable um pandemics but we do want to treat them seriously um that 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 idea of of um i think it's acceptable the idea of like pausing uh development stopping the AI retreating from the development of AI that's to me not a good idea that's that's um what Because I think the only way that we can solve technological planetary problems is with better technology, not less. It's like having—I make the analogy: technologies are like ideas made concrete, okay? And it's it's like a physical idea. So if I have—if I were right now to have to suggest a really bad or stupid idea, you—you would never tell me, "Well, you need to think less." You need to have less ideas. You would say, no, you need to have a better idea. And I think that's the same thing with technology. The, 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 the solution is when technology makes a problem, is not to have less of it, but to have better of it. And so um, I think wisdom is, we could think of it as a kind of technology. It's a language thing. It's a symbol arrangement. It's, it's encasing something. So we should have better wisdom. But what we don't want is less things. We don't want to stop stuff or turn it off or decrease it. We want to actually increase things. One of the reasons why I like
0: this seed or fragment on page 166 I read previously on power is because I think it contains a lot of the wisdom that mm. that speaks to me at least uh, having to do with humility and recognizing our luck and our privileged position. And that we we didn't get to where we are collectively as a species or individually as individuals uh, through the sweat of our brow, but because we were fortunate in so many ways that we don't, we're not even aware of. And therefore we should have humility when we treat other species and other individuals.
1: Even cosmically, we are lucky. Just you know, I mean, think about all the lucky accidents we have in terms of the gravitational pull of the moon, the um, you know, the, the 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 magnetic field on the planet. There are just like so many things that this planet has been lucky about um, that enable uh, life to have this Goldilocks um, range to 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 enable us to to live here because it's. It's very, very lucky that 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 we have a planet that's as well calibrated for life as as ours.
0: But then we have people who uh many transhumanists and singularitarians, yeah. for example, would go the, the way of the manifest destiny uh and use the teleological arguments that we are special, that we are the only intelligences we know of the universe. And therefore we are special and our purpose in a way is to populate the universe and to bring intelligence to a world that lacks intelligence. Uh And therefore in that way, you know, with respect, let's say towards Ray Kurzweil's projected timeline, the ultimate end of which is where the universe wakes up. We are Uh playing a crucial pivotal role and therefore we're special.
1: Well, it, that may be. I, I I don't know about that. I mean, it may be that we're special. We don't. We still don't know. Until we do know, we can act as special. I don't think it would change much of what we would do. Um, and um, in other words, so so I I assume that we're not special, but of course we have no. We have some evidence that we're not special. We have some evidence that UFOs are already here, but we don't have. Um, concrete evidence of what that might mean. So, I, so um, again, it's a story that we don't have enough information about, whether we are the only or not. Um, but either way, I think we should act that way. Either way, I think we should treat our luck and say um, I think life is a good thing as far as I can tell from everything I can see. Intelligence is a good thing overall. And for, you know, we should maximize that reach in the universe. Um, I think we're going to be shocked at how ill suited humans are in any capacity in space. I don't think we're going to be sending out humans into space. I think that's another rom- romance. I think we'll be sending out robots or uploaded stuff. Uh, but I, I, I don't think there's going to be humans into space for very long. Humans with tissue, wet tissue. Bodies, that version of us, I don't think it's going to go very far, but certainly some descendants, some kind of more suitable, space suitable versions might go into space. And I'm all for that. Um, It's a pretty empty space and it would be great to fill it up with um, things even better than us. So I don't think we want to fill up with us but I think we want to fill up with things better than us.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin, we had a kind of a meandering conversation, which often (laughs) happens in my podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's not your fault. That's my fault. But I have to say again, for the record, I enjoyed immensely your book. I Mm -hmm. suggest people check it out. It's a quick read, but it's disproportionately rewarding for how quick it is. And You can read and reread it multiple times. Where can people find more about you and your work?
1: Um, um, Easy to find. Uh, My website has my initials. So it's kk.org. And I have my blogs and the cool tools reviews and any kind of links to my other projects like the Vanishing Asia project, which I spent 50 years working on documenting the lost culture of Asia. The pictures um, from that are amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really I really um I'm very very proud of that. There's 9,000 images in the in the books. And um um on the socials where I'm most active on Twitter um is my name with a number 2 in the middle, Kevin 2 Kelly. And um otherwise, you know, um I hope people enjoy the book there's a little bit more practical kind of information or uh, information uh, advice, I guess we would call it, like um, the thing that made you weird as a kid <laughs> can make you great as an adult as long as you don't lose it. Yeah. And if you're at all possible young and working, try to work on somewhere where there's not a name for what it is that you're doing. There's no language to capture it where it may take 15 minutes to explain to your mother what it is that you're doing. That's a good sign that you're at a frontier. You're at a place where there isn't going to be a lot of competition. You're at a place that um, will be closer to finding what it is that you do that no one else is doing. So head in that direction of working that's ahead of the language where there's no name. And um, that's the place that I would head if I was young again.
0: Wow, I think heading the direction where there is no name is a right. perfect, perfect final message to wrap our conversation and I love it. Kevin Kelly, thank you for being so much with us.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for your great questions, for your spirit. I love um, I love this conversation because you pushed back and it was I, I just fan, find that fantastic. I just really, really cherish it. So thank you.
0: My pleasure, and I'll probably get you in another six or seven (laughs) years at least.
1: Yeah, I'm working on another project. I'm sure it'll appeal to you. It's it's called the 100-Year Desirable Future. So I'm trying to do a scenario of a future filled with all this kind of stuff that I want to live in. And um, it's more of my radical optimism.
0: Fantastic. Well, the sub sub subline of my blog is create the future. So, yeah. my podcast podcasts is interview the future, but the blog is create the future. So, that would be a perfect fit, I'm sure. Well,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm imagining the future is my tagline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you said you're an idea collector uh, or per, perpe- yeah
1: a uh, idea
0: packager a uh, idea packager that's the word yes that's yeah, the yeah, word yeah. in our previous conversation and it's a yes, great yeah. way to to put, to sum you up yes yeah. well thanks again kevin okay thank we'll be you in touch. i appreciate it